And welcome back to another episode of Millennial Manhood. This is your host, Jovitz Djurjevic. Exciting episode today. Got Jay Black with me. Fascinating story. Former college football player, former NFL player, now transitioning or has been transitioning over the last couple of years into a role outside of athletics and the challenges and the changes that that has brought about in his life. Great conversation. We uh, transitioned to a lot of different topics and I think you folks will enjoy it. Fair warning, you know, last couple episodes we've had some technical issues, so we've had to do the recordings via the phone, so the quality's a little worse. We're working on getting that fixed. Uh, hopefully on the next episode we won't have that issue, but outside of that, content's great and I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Jay, welcome to Millennial Manhood. What's going on, man? Well, I'm really excited about our conversation. I think it'll be a good topic for us to cover. But for folks who aren't aware of who you are, uh, give us a give us a J101. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, my name is Gerard Black. Um, everybody calls me J. Uh, it's just easier to say. And um, I'm originally from was born and raised in Galveston, uh, but also you know was raised in Houston a bit. Moved there when I was like 12 or 13, um, and. Yeah, I had an athletic background, played football for a while, was fortunate enough to, you know, get an opportunity to, you know, try to play football in the NFL. <laughs> was uh was with the Cowboys for a little bit. And uh yeah, man, now I've made the transition uh into the music world, which is, you know, the track record for athletes to music is is great, as we all know. <laughs> but yeah, I've made it to the music world and uh, you know, also doing a few other things. Uh and yeah. Cool, man. Uh, as soon as you said music, the immediate first thought was Kobe Bryant and Ron Artest making exactly <laughs> meta word world peace and Kobe Bryant uh, just dropping hits on us. Just, right, just dropping you know Grammys all over. <laughs> yeah, all over the place. Well, so so you grew up in Texas and you uh, you played yeah. college football at Iowa State, right? I, I did. That's correct. Okay, I, I wanted to make sure it was Iowa State, not Iowa. I know that's not a that that could be a yeah you know, a bad you know you can't do that man it's, yeah yeah and, you can't and do that <laughs> and then then you had a, a brief stint in the NFL so so tell us a little bit about you know being a young man playing college football we we talked a little bit about being a number and losing your identity once you're done with playing football but talk to me a little bit about you're obviously done with your college career you obviously had a good enough college career to uh, wear an NFL logo on you at one point but talk to me about that right. transition from. You know, you're basically catered to, as we talked about, being a college athlete to yep. being a professional now in a sport that is uh, 100% meritocracy and 100% ruthless. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, like the first thing I would say uh, about college sports in general, not only football, but for men and women, is, man, it's so much hard work. Like, that's one thing that I think is underplayed in college athletics is just how much work actually goes into it from, you know, studying, you know, and practice, practice for practice, you got weights, you got meetings, you know, you got to get up early, you're early, you're up before everybody, you're going pretty much going to sleep, you know, later than everybody. And, you know, honestly, a lot of people, you know, and fans only see it on Saturdays, you know what I mean? But they don't see all that hard work that goes into it. So that's the first thing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. You know, the second thing is, you know, kind of ending up and making that transition, you know, as a young man uh, into the National Football League where, you know, you're going against grown men who have, you know, families and wives and kids and paying mortgage, 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 had a brain fart, sorry. 
I cannot say that word. But anyways. <laughs> um, <laughs> Payments on their homes. Jesus. Jesus. But anyways, yeah, you make that transition and it's crazy, man. You know what I mean? You you go, you got to realize that, you know, it's not like the camaraderie that you usually get within the college. You know, it's more personalized and more like focused on yourself. Even though you're on a team, there's definitely a sort of ranking. You have to work your way up. And you know, for me, I wasn't drafted. I came in as an undrafted free agent. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a bumpy road, man. You know what I mean? And if you're not self-motivated to want the best out of yourself, then, you know, it can be hard. It can be hard. You know, it's definitely a, a level of separation that you definitely have to uh, get used to for a certain amount of time. You know what I mean? Not all the time, but a certain amount of time for sure. Yeah, I think what's interesting, what you just mentioned, and that really struck me is you go from this deep camaraderie on your college team, which makes sense when you think, I never thought about this, but that makes total sense because think about it, you go in your freshman year and you're, I mean, you're riding 30 deep, your entire signing class. Right. You're living in the same building, you're in that same cafeteria, you you know, you've got, and you're all 18. And the oldest you can be, I mean, the absolute oldest, unless you, I don't know, went and played, you know, minor league baseball or something and, and came back, right. which right. sometimes happens, but you're like 22, 23 when you graduate. So right. you, you're exactly. in the same season, same stage of life, but then you go into the NFL and it's grown men who... Not you know you go from high school football to college football and you used to being the best and everybody was the best so now but then you go to the right. NFL and it's a whole nother level because every single individual is basically their own business entity and their own identity exactly so so how does that strike you you know that shock of losing that camaraderie because I think that's common to folks in general leaving college you had a fraternity or you had a sorority you had a certain clubs and organizations you were involved now you go into the business world and no one gives a damn yeah. it's about what what are you yeah. doing for me today. Yeah, um, it was definitely interesting for me. Um, I think because I was fortunate enough to go to a really good high school uh, where we excelled at sports, and I went to Sci Falls in Houston, and I graduated in 2007. So at that time, man, we went to state. Uh, we signed 22 players to scholarships for football. You know, we, a lot of our players were ranked. You know, I was fortunate enough to be ranked. You know, top defensive lineman or top five defensive lineman in Texas, and you know all that other stuff, and. Um, you know, so our, that was a family atmosphere, you know what I mean? And then you go to Iowa State, college, wherever you go, and then that's sort of like the family atmosphere, too, because you're all going through the grind together, you know what I mean? Yep. And then you make that transition where, you know, you've got to talk about, you know, you get to a professional sport like the NFL where the market is so big, and, you know, now you're talking about branding yourself, and you know what I mean? And you have to kind of be selfish in a way, you know what I mean? You kind of have to, you know, perfect your craft uh, individually, and, you know, you're like I said, you're on a team and, you know, it's no like beef or anything like that between the players, but it's just what it is. You know what I mean? Like I was talking to one of my good friends. He's uh, he's going on the Giants and, you know, he is about to, you know, Odell Beckham, obviously everybody knows him and he has built his own brand. And what the first thing I, the very first thing I told him is like, look, you cannot go on the Giants and try to be Odell's buddy like all day, because at the end of the day. Odell Beckham just signed a mega billion dollar contract. So he's good either way. Okay. Like either with or without you, he's good. Yeah. You have to go in there and, you know, work on your own self and you have to, you know, build your own brand and also, you know, but within the team, you know what I mean? And I think that that's kind of a weird feeling for a while. You know what I mean? Especially when you come from college where, you know, everybody is, you know, everybody's cool. You know what I mean? And not saying that everybody isn't cool on a professional level. But it's definitely, 
that's definitely different, you know, from high school and college for sure. Well, on the professional level, you've got 30 year old men who are in the peak of their physical prime with two kids and a wife. And like you said, a mortgage and, and responsibility. Exactly. They ain't mortgage, got time to how you say it, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well they, don't, they don't have time to go to the club with you. They, yeah, they, they don't sure. have time to, to mess around because they've got some serious, serious responsibilities. But did, did it shock you at all going the transition from college to the professional level and just being a professional in any field, how good those players are at their craft? Absolutely. Um, I think that's one of the coolest parts about going to the league, to be honest with you, bro, is that you see all these people and they might not be good at like a lot of stuff, but there's one thing that these people are really, really good at. And it's at each position, you know, from the kicker to the receiver to the defensive lineman to the offensive lineman to the quarterback to every position, man. You know what I mean? And it's amazing to see, you know, elite athletes go in and, you know, there's just a level of competition. You know, that was a big, that was the biggest thing for me. As you know, at practice, normally, you know, high school, college, you know, you're going hard, but, you know, it's, it's it, but in the NFL, it's a steady competition because people are so good. And that's in any professional sport, I think. But, you know, when I got to the Cowboys, you know, I was going against a guy named Zach Martin, who is a great guy on and off the field. He went to Notre Dame. He plays for the Cowboys now. And, you know, one of the things I'm going to start speaking football terms here is he does, he, a zone step is when pretty much you uh, go laterally. And, you know, he does it really, really well. And he moves really, really quick side to side and forward. But I just admired that, you know what I mean? And I was fortunate enough to have a good get off off the ball as a defensive lineman. So, you know, it was good for me, fortunately, but, you know, a lot of people were getting left in the dust, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so just to see people really be good at that, it makes you up your game, you know what I mean? It really focus, you know, very intensely at all times, not only the game, but at practice, you know, at weightlifting, you know, because you steady have to, you know, steady improvement, you know, you want to improve yourself, you have to or else you will get, you know, left in the dust and, you know, eventually get cut. Was was that shocking to you? Because I think the key, what you mentioned there, is everybody's good at least one thing and primarily one yeah. thing. And that's the right. differentiator. I, I heard a I heard a guy who played um, professional baseball for a while. He said, if you're not, if you can't outrun everybody else on the team, you better be able to outthrow everybody else on the team. And if you can't outthrow everybody else on the team, you better be able to outhit everybody else. On the team. There got, there's got to be one yeah. thing that earns you that spot. Did that shock right. you that that's the difference, just one thing? Um, Sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, because it's also cool for the player, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to speak from both sides because, you know, from a player standpoint, I'm good at one thing, you know what I mean? And nobody else can stop me at this one thing, so I'm going to perfect it. And, you know what I mean? It, it, and nobody can stop me or I can perfect this so much that, you know, they the team will keep me for that reason. So, yeah, it's shocking sometimes because you're like, wow, you know what I mean? Like, you better really do a lot that good, but he does that one thing that good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, in, in some ways, it's shocking. And in other ways, it's, you know, it's also cool from a player standpoint that, you know, you can find that one thing that you're good at. And then also, you can work on that one thing. But all the things, if you're, if you're you know, an athlete that wants to be the best, you work on the things that you're not good at as well. You know what I mean? So, uh, for me, that was kind of tough. Yeah, yeah. So, you, you talked about the level of competition in practice. How have you transitioned that into your post-football life, just knowing that there was no days off in the NFL? I still do it for sure. Um, you know, I'm really big into personal development, and I got into, you know, reading a lot, 
and um, just working on my best self. And I think that's kind of a reflection of, first of all, the place I worked out at. I worked out at a place called Fort Dimensions, which is in Dallas, Texas, and it's pretty much an NFL lineman facility. And it's written by a game, a guy named uh, Noel Scarlett, who is, you know, he played in the NFL, but his workouts are just known to be long and, you know, really, really hard. And I think that kind of molded me into the type of person that I am now, just with everything, you know what I mean? As far as workouts, you know, I make sure that, you know, I ran. Uh, I started running, I mean, as in, you know, I'd say about a year ago. Because, you know, in football, at least for a defensive lineman, I move in short increments of time, you know what I mean? And, you know, for long distance wasn't really my thing. And I got, after football, you know, I started eating, got big, you know what I mean? I got to like 320, 325, but it wasn't football weight. So I literally, I, I had to, you know, put some discipline on myself and started running, started eating right. Um, you know, as far as in the work environment, it's something that, you know, it, it puts you, it holds yourself to a standard, you know what I mean? And I think that's one thing that I benefit from it for sure. It's just kind of holding yourself to a certain standard and not allowing yourself to fail or, you know, really feel sorry for yourself in some aspects, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and the last year you played in the NFL was 2015, 2016? Uh, yeah, 20, 2016 was the, was the last year. At the end of 2015, 2016, so yeah. Okay, okay. So, you know, you and I got connected through uh, through Kevin, which shout out to yeah. uh, Southern Scholar Socks. Check shout out, out to my boy Kevin. Yeah, check out, check out the website. Check out the socks. Go ahead and, go ahead and put the subscription on. <laughs> but so you, you've made this transition in the last two years. And one of the stereotypes about football players in particular is that they probably have the most ego out of any sport because you can't see their face the way you can a basketball <laughs> yeah. player or a baseball player. You know, they you meet them at a party and they introduce themselves by their first and last name type of situation. For sure. Which I'm, I'm picking off football players here, but I'm just going off stereotypes. So. <laughs> You know, with, with that being such a large part of your identity, playing that game and now going into a world where I'm sure it looks cool on LinkedIn and everybody's like, oh, cool, you played in the NFL. But quite frankly, nobody probably cares to too much of a degree. It's it's more about a personal pride thing. How how did that feel transitioning into the quote unquote civilian world where you lose such a large part of your identity? And what, what were some of the struggles you went through there? Um, man. Um, I think for any athlete, but for me personally, like I said, I was like we talked about. Um, I, you know, you go through a, a phase of transitional where it's, it's rough. You know what I mean? Of course, you, you're saying you're kind of depressed that you know you're not playing the sport that you played for so long. You know what I mean? Pretty much your whole life, and then also you have to get to know yourself again. You know what I mean? And um, in a way, I definitely had to get to know myself uh, in a whole another type of way besides football. I mean, I'm not an athlete anymore or, you know, a professional football player anymore, so I can't do that. And the ego is a part of that whole transition where you have to, you know, kind of lose it. You know what I mean? Because I'll be honest, in football, I say this, in any professional sports you have, you have to have an ego on the field. Like, you have to have confidence in yourself to, to play and say, yes, I'm, I'm the best at this. I feel like in my, my eyes, I'm the best of this. You know what I mean? You have to have that. Now, off the field, you know, as a professional athlete, you know, you feel the pridefulness, you know what I mean? But once that is over with, you know, you kind of got to learn how to check it at the door, you know what I mean? These people 
you know, in a regular work environment, yeah, it's cool. You play football or you play whatever sport, but, you know, they really don't care. You know what I mean? Like, it's cool you did that, but all right, now you're, you're working now. You know what I mean? So um, it definitely was a rough transition. Um, but, I mean, you know, I think it, it it's the best transition. You know, it's, a, it's like the, the darkest, most beautiful time of my life. You know what I mean? Because I went through, definitely went through a rough patch. When, uh, you know, things just didn't seem right. But then, you know, you start coming out of it and, you know, you start other opportunities, you know, you pursue other opportunities and, you know, you have time that you never had before to, you know, do things that you, you have interest in, you know what I mean? And besides football. And I think that once you find an interest and really open yourself up and your mind to that, it becomes a lot easier, but you know, that's easier said than done. And I think that's for every athlete. You know what I mean? It takes it takes time. Time is the best teacher with that. You know what I mean? It, it really does take time to transition out of the sport and uh, you know, be open to new opportunities. But then once you're open to the new opportunities, you know, and you see that it's actually okay to not be an athlete and to, you know, go on, you know, to live life you know what I mean, living like, you know, so, so- where you don't have to you don't have to be on a schedule or, you know, a clock or you don't have to be at practice at a certain time. It's, uh, it's once you get past that phase, then it's all good. So you mentioned that there was a time when things didn't seem right. What do you mean by seem right? Um, so what I mean by don't seem right is, you know, when you turn on the television at a certain amount of day and you see your friends or your buddies, you know, still playing football, or, you know what I mean, like it, it gets around July, August, and you know at that certain time you're, you're used to going to camp at some point in time, you know what I mean, and you, your body's getting used to it, and you feel like, like an emptiness, you know what I mean, you feel like you're supposed to be doing something, you know what I mean, and besides what you're doing, you know, it's, it's a greater feeling because this is a feeling that you've been used to for so long, right, or like, you know, on a Sunday or a Saturday, you know, you get used to playing on these days, and like on those days, you're like, man, you know, like, I feel like I should be doing something, you know what I mean? I feel like I should be playing still, you know, and that's, that's a hard feeling. It's a weird feeling that, you know, if you've ever been, been through it, you might not understand it, you know what I mean? But it's definitely a feeling that's, uh, that's very, it's, it's trippy in a way, you know what I mean? But it's, it's, like I said, it's a part of the transition. And once you get past that and accept it, like, hey, I don't do this anymore, but that's okay, you know what I mean? Like, I had the time, and I'm grateful for that time, but now it's time to move on. Yeah. So how, how would you say playing sports at, at a high level, whether collegiate or professional, this is a podcast about millennial manhood. How, how would you say it impacted your vision and definition of what being a man is? And feel free to interject, you know, maybe lessons you learned from your parents or, or, or yeah. other family members, uh, things like that. Yeah. Um, I think that it taught me a lot just about myself um, and um, just how to appreciate people no matter what walk of life they came from. I think the most beautiful part about sports is, you know, it's people from rich families, broke families, black, white, green, Asian, doesn't matter your race, religion. You know what I mean? You guys have all work issues. You guys are working so damn hard together that none of that matters, you know what I mean? For four or five years, however long you're there, you know, none of that matters. You know what I mean? And that and that's really cool. You know, 
at all hanging out with people who come from the greatest areas and yeah. their friends, you know what I mean, and their buddies. And that that's really cool to see. I mean, for me personally, you know, unfortunately, you know, my, my dad passed, but he always, you know, instilled in me and my little brother that, you know, you always accept everybody for who they are. You know what I mean? And you work hard at what you do and you try to be the best at it. You know, you be great. You know what I mean? And I think that once you get into college, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a little different from high school, but you connect with your teammates in a whole different way. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's literally, it's a grind. It's a grind. And it's in time. Football is too. You know, I'm so into that professional sports. It's a grind. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, you learn how to appreciate that grind and apply it to life. You know what I mean? And you never know how things connect, you know what I mean, later on in life after sports. So, you know, like I said, that's, that's the coolest thing about it is how people uh, connect, for sure. Yeah. So, it, it, and I've experienced that on, on my own and, you know, I never played at a high level, but I've played, you know, even high school sports, you, you just connect and people who would never be friends become friends and, and all these different right. things. And it's, it's almost this unifying force in a world that quite frankly is very div- divisive right now. You know, if you turn on the TV right. or get on Twitter or any form of social media, you would think every person hates every other person they've ever met. You know, there's, right. th- that's so true, man. And, and that's not really, that's not reality though. You know, think about it. Most people you meet are pretty cool. Overall, definitely, yeah, definitely. There's some jerks out there, but yeah, for sure, I, I understand that, and I, I totally agree with that. Like everybody gets along, you know what I mean. If if we meet in person, we get along. You know, behind the the Instagram or the Twitter fingers and all that, Facebook, you know, it, it's a problem. But if you actually sit down and have a, a conversation with a person, and we can meet in the middle and agree, it's it's okay to agree or disagree with a person. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, like, I think if, you, if you're if you in person with a person or if you're in person, you know, it's, it's no problem. No matter what race, religion, you know, sexual preference, politics, whatever. You know what I mean? It, it, that's just how it is, for sure. Well, and you, you can transition that back into football, you know, when the – so you play defense. When the offense ain't doing yep. their job and you guys get the damn ball back and they fumble on the very first possession, you know, that's going to create yep. some internal conflict. But the But the overall mission is still the same. And and that's right. really how the world is. You know, we might disagree on, on certain aspects of life, but at the end of the day, the mission is for all of us, I don't care who you are, um, to really cultivate a society where you can live a safe and happy life and raise your family and be a good member of a community. And absolutely. And and that's really what millennial manhood is is about in the context of this conversation. But you you mentioned that yeah. that your um, that your dad passed away. And I, I don't remember for those you know, I don't know if this was my personal conversation with Kevin or if you if you mentioned this on the podcast. But if I'm if I'm not mistaken, he did a a sock campaign in, in honor of your dad, right? He did. He did. Um, Kevin, man, such a great guy. Uh, me and Kevin have been friends for a while, and uh, you know, Southern Scholar. I saw it when he first started up from the ground, man. You know, it's, it's amazing what he's doing with his brand now and how he's built it up. But my dad, uh, he passed away a few years ago. Um, his name is Damon, Damon Black, and he had cancer, uh, stage four pancreatic cancer, and it was bad, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, going through the whole process, and I was, you know, with him when he passed. Um, and, you know, Kevin had found out and knew that through mutual friends, and, you know, kind of called and texted me and kind of checked up on me. And, uh, he decided, he called me one day and was like, hey, man, you know, I'm a 
come out with the Damon Black Diamond edition uh, for your for your your dad and you know just to honor him. And uh, man, I was just so grateful and so appreciative of that. And uh, yeah, the sock came out awesome. You know, he came out with a few uh, cards that came in the package with it, and it was just a really cool idea. And I was just so happy the way it came out. And th- th- wasn't it a specific color because your dad always wore that color. Yeah, so it was purple. Um, it was purple, and so we're from Galveston, okay? Uh, my whole family's from Galveston, and Galveston, the color there is purple because of the high school. It's called, uh, the high school down there is called Ball High High School, okay. and um, Galveston Ball is what people call it, and the school colors are purple and gold. Uh, so the purple represents just Galveston in general, and, uh, you know, that was my one of my dad's favorite colors, and just kind of something that me and my family felt that would best represent him, you know what I mean? Because he loved Galveston so much, you know what I mean? And he loved his high school as well. So, yeah, man. That's awesome. And, you know, so obviously the loss of a parent is, is very traumatic. How old were you at the time? Man, that was two years ago. So I was 27. And, yeah, it was it was rough. That was another transition that I had to go to, you know, because, I mean, you don't, you don't really – Nobody can, you know, prepare for that. You know what I mean? And going through that, that really made me talk about that ego being checked, right? Is that's the realest feeling you can see or you can feel. You know what I mean? That's a raw emotion and a pain that I cannot explain to you. But it also gives you a sense of gratitude for life in general and how, you know, how lucky you are to have it. And also just to, you know, talk about real love and real uh, feelings for a person. You know what I mean? And my dad was such a great person and he was very, he's a very positive guy um, and he was very talented in many ways. And, you know, he, he gave me and my little brother a very good basis of life. You know what I mean? My dad was 100% real with us at all times. And, you know, he didn't really limit our minds to just one thing, you know what I mean? No matter if it was sports or, you know, art or music or anything, you know what I mean? My dad, you know, made me listen to, because I, you know, I grew up in the hip hop era, so I love hip hop, but also my dad would make me listen to jazz. He would make me listen to classical, you know, Beethoven, you know, pianos, you know, trumpets, you know, he made me listen to, to a lot of stuff just to open up my mind and, you know, he did the same with my little brother and just introduced us to art and, you know, appreciating things that not necessarily everybody gets to experience. And I think that was just an uh, important part and just kind of his overall uh, message to us. You know what I mean? But, yeah, definitely it was uh, it was definitely a rough time. And, uh, yeah, if anybody's going through that, then prayers from, from me and my family, for sure. Does that make you excited at all if, if someday you have kids to help them expand their mind the way your dad expanded y'all's? Oh, definitely. Definitely, man. I mean, I've met some children right now that I'm like, yo, man, you can do anything. You know what I mean? And it's always been a question like, you know, yo, you know, when you have kids, you know, you don't make them play sports, you don't make them play this or do this. And I'm like, man, I'm not making my kid do anything. Like, if he wants to do it, or he or she, I say he, if he or she wants to do it, then they will do it. You know what I mean? That, that, and that's something that we pursue, but I'm not going to force them to do anything. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm going to allow them to be as creative as they want to be. You know what I mean? You shouldn't limit, especially a young mind to, you know, just one area or one sector of 
automatically gravitate towards it, you know what I mean, and not force to do something. So, uh, so yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the themes. So a lot, actually, unfortunately, I don't know, I don't know if I'm doing this on purpose or if this is uh, unconsciously, but I've I've had quite a few people on the podcast who've lost a parent, and yeah, you know the the one theme I keep hearing, and I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, but the one theme I keep hearing when people describe their parents to me, especially the ones that have passed, is yeah. that they invested and poured into them as a parent. And I think a lot of the time, the place where we can get into trouble as humans is, you know, we get so caught up in our own lives and our own worlds and, and the things that we want to achieve that maybe we forget. And granted, I'm not a parent, but I know my dad did this and my mom did this. What kids really want is your time and attention and love. My dad made the ultimate sacrifice for me. You know what I mean? Um, my mom had me when she was 16, man. And my, my dad had me, he was 19 at the time. And my dad was a great football player. He was All-American coming out of high school. Um, and he went to a junior college in uh, California. And he was supposed to, you know, go to a big school uh, and, you know, probably go to the NFL. You know, if you go back at home in Galveston or Houston, People who know my dad was like, yo, your dad definitely should have been in the field. Like, definitely should have played in the field. Um, and so sacrifice is one of the biggest things, you know what I mean, he did for me. And he would never say, you know, he or my mother would never say, like, you know, you owe me this or I owe them anything or nothing like that. Um, you know, I have to say sacrifice to my mother as well. You know, my mother had me at 16 and still went to college and got a degree she double majored in mechanical engineering in French. Wow. So she there was no there was yeah, there was no excuses for myself or my little brother. You know what I mean? And so coming up with parents like that, you know, it was just crazy. Like I I never saw it as, you know, uh like a like a bad thing at all. Um you know, my dad spent a lot of time with me with sports. Um, you know, I also played baseball. Um, my mom and my dad, me and my dad would say, you know, I was better at baseball than I was at football. You probably hit the uh, hell out of that ball. Yeah, yeah, I was big. I was, I was, I was a chubby kid, so I hit the farm. Uh, so I didn't <laughs> have to run that fast, you know. What I'm yeah, that yeah, was yeah. my mantra. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so, you know, we would spend countless hours, um, you know, doing that and practicing with baseball, and then we switched to football, and then we, you know, we would spend countless hours with that. And my dad was really good, you know what I mean, at his position. So he, he would give me inside, you know, tips and advices and key things, you know what I mean? And it was never forced was the coolest part. And then, you know, once I got to high school where I really, really started getting the football, he was such a great teacher because he never really forced me. But he was also like a very, he was, he gave great advice, you know what I mean? And it was all about self-practice. You know what I mean? I would go outside and I would do this and work on this step and work on that. And he would stand out there and he would look at me and he would tell me what I was doing wrong and then let me correct it myself. You know what I mean? And so I think that that was just such a cool way to teach a person. And uh, yeah, man, it was it was really cool. You know, I think the the greatest part of it all is the the ancient Greeks have a saying that as long as somebody's remembered, they're never dead. And right. just the way you talk about him, I've never met your dad ever, but I feel like I know the guy. 
it's 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 a little i mean it's a little and it's not just with you it's with all kinds of folks when you talk to them when somebody gets really passionate and and starts sharing these very very i mean think about how vivid what you described to me is you you, yeah, you start getting a sense for it and it's that spirit that's still alive the for sure the other thing that i wanted to to mention is you know you, you talked about how kevin reached out to you when you were going through that and you know, I think that's something that's really important in our generation with this with this Instagram slash social media slash Facebook bullcrap we got going on where we all feel uber connected but are lonelier than ever. It's almost as if, you know, 100 years ago, if somebody was struggling with something or, or a family member passed away, you had to go see them to give your condolences. Now you can write now you can write thoughts and prayers on Facebook and your checkbox is, is filled and we, we lose that interpersonal connection. How much did it mean to you that people were reaching out to you, such as Kevin – actually reaching out to you and saying, Hey, what can I do? Man, it was, uh, it was so, you know, comforting, you know what I mean? It's comforting as it could be. Right. Um, you know, especially, you know, from Kevin, um, and just like all the other people that reached out, it was just so nice to know that people would think about me and, you know, just recognize that I was going through a rough time and, you know, Kevin didn't know my dad, but, you know, like at the same time, you know, Kevin's a good dude and I talk to him often, you know, I, I, we always check on in on each other and, uh, you know, him and a few other friends and, uh, it, it just, it really meant a, meant a lot to me, you know what I mean? Um, and I'm, like I said, I'll be forever grateful for that, you know, and that also made me aware and conscious of, you know, other people, other people besides myself going through, you know, those problems, you know what I mean? And so whenever I, unfortunately see somebody going through a rough situation or something like that, I always reach out and say, you're like, Hey, you know what I mean? It'll get better. Or, you know, my prayers are with you or something like that. You know what I mean? Because, you know, you can't really offer him everything, but you can offer, you know, send your condolences. And, you know, that, that says a lot about, about the person in general. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's something that, you know, we really need to stay cognizant of just as a generation. Because- For sure. It can just get too easy to loss, get lost in, in that shuffle. But one of the things you mentioned to me when, when you and I were talking on the phone the other day is that you liked the mission of, of Millennial Manhood and that you're pretty selective about what you put your name on, understandably. You, don't want, you know, you don't want uh, ESPN or somebody picking up. It's like former Dallas Cowboy, <laughs> you know, blah, 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 blah. But what, yeah. what, what was it about the mission of this podcast that got you jazzed about coming on here? I feel like... You know, in a, in the world we live in today, everybody, like you said, you get on Instagram and you get, you know, you see all this stuff with social media and you think that everybody's life is just like this crazy, extravagant, you know what I mean? Like just full of good times every day. Highlight real. And it's not, yeah, it's not like that. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's, it's, it's it's a process to everything. You know what I mean? And I, I say that because I'm learning it too with the music, right? Like I make electronic dance music and I sing and I've never considered myself a singer, you know what I mean? Like at all. And I make it with my best friend who was my college roommate. And, um, we've been through going back to the college deal. We've been through blood, sweat, tears together. And so there's a trust level that I'm able to have with him and to put out, you know, a product that we can market and brand, right? Yeah. Um, I, I like millennial manhood because, you know, I'm able to talk about that and somebody might be listening 
that might not necessarily sports or football or you know music, but going through some type of transition or you know trying to find what's next and realize that you know yo it doesn't happen overnight. You know what I mean? There is no overnight success. You know what I mean? Those those talks and everything you hear about somebody going viral overnight and all that like that doesn't that doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Like they say overnight success, but it's it's a process to everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, in the world we live in today, you know, a lot of, you know, people in general, but, you know, men, especially young men and, you know, adults that are, you know, our age, you know, kind of, I think, I feel like that kind of gets lost in translation. And, you know, I mean, you start comparing what you don't have to what somebody else has, you know what I mean? And it shouldn't be like that. And I like that millennial manhood kind of gives you an inside perspective from a bunch of different angles of people who are, you know, successful on their way to success, you know, coming up in some type of way or, you know, how to how to make a breakthrough or something like that. And, you know, it kind of gives you, man, hope in a way, you know what I'm saying? And I'll never forget, you know, this podcast and there's another podcast that I uh, listen to called uh, Short Long Story, which is by uh, Drama from Robin Big. He's Rob Geerdick's uh, cousin. Okay. And he talks about entre- entrepreneurs as well, you know what I mean? And that feeling that, you know, that can work. You know what I mean? That, you know, yo, everybody has to start somewhere, you know what I mean? And you, you have to work your way up. And nothing is easy. And, you know, even though it might feel like, you know, nothing is happening, you steady have to, you know, ha- have self-improvement and work on your better self every day. You know what I mean? It's, it's something to do every day. Yeah, it's a process. It's uh it, it's, Definitely. It's a, and it's a constant self-evaluation for, for sure for better or for worse but segue to to the music real quick so okay you mentioned that and i i actually meditated this a little bit after we got off the phone the other day but that you know the the music allows for you to uh express a side of yourself that you haven't necessarily gotten to develop so your whole life you've been big tough strong as hell Hitting the, hitting the crap out of people or, you know, hitting the crap out of the baseball so you don't got to run real fast or you're hitting the crap out of, out of out of somebody on the field so you can, you know, it takes a while for them to get up so you can get a water break real quick. Very, yeah, very, very almost almost destructive energy. Like I want to just destroy something and I'm going to put all my energy into it. And that's just how it is. But here it's a creative energy. You're creating something out of nothing. How right. How is that formulated your your thoughts and feelings and emotions, and especially as you're maturing as a man and you're coming into this new field? And that's a great question, bro. Um, so, I mean, so we, like I said, we make electronic dance music um, and we're, we're called Minus Two is our name. And we're on Spotify and Apple Music and SoundCloud. And okay, got that over with. Um, so this is now a creative outlet for me. Um, and I feel like it's a way to express myself in ways that I haven't necessarily always known how, you know what I mean? Like I said, I'm getting to know myself a lot more and not able and am able now to show and become familiar with myself and uh, be familiar with, get to know vulnerability. You know what I mean? Vulnerability is something that is, is new to me. You know what I mean? Like, and being able to tell a girl like, yo, you know, I really like you or, you know, show affection to somebody without feeling that I'm showing like a weakness in the armor, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that that's been something that has been honestly really, really cool, uh, especially when doing the music, because 
on our music. We talk about, you know, I talk about, I write and sing everything pretty much. And, you know, I talk about love. I talk about vulnerability. I talk about, you know, and everything's coming from a personal situation of mine and somewhat, you know, a male perspective. And I know, you know, guys don't like, don't like to talk about vulnerability and love and, you know, I mean, like not necessarily, not necessarily getting the girl. Well, sometimes we talk about getting the girl right because it's always fun, but then also talk about, you know, the social anxiety and feeling of rejection, right? Or feeling of, you know, not being cool enough to get that girl or something like that. Yep. You know what I mean? And I think that it's been a really cool uh, transformation for me and transition for me to be able to express that in a creative matter. You know what I mean? Especially on the type of uh, music that we do it to because house music is um, is a creative, you know, genius in itself. You know what I mean? And uh, to be able to kind of, you know, put words on top of these beats that I think, you know, for our generation is kind of like, you know, the bounce and everybody, you know, digs it. You know what I mean? Everybody, that's that's kind of our, 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 our thing. Um, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's really cool. And it's been a re- really creative outlet to really express, you know, the way I feel in all different types of situations. Well, and that's just the evolution of a man, you, you know. Right. From... You know, life just kicks you in the face the older you get, and you can't pretend like you're this hard ass forever. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's just impossible. I mean, you can do it when you're 18 because you've only been alive for 18 years, but a lot of shit happens between 18 and 28. Yeah, a lot, a lot of shit happens. And yeah, I mean, like I said, that raw emotion, and, you know, whether it's a heartbreak of, you know, things not going right, or you thought it was going to go a certain type of way and it didn't, or, you know, you liking a person, or, you know, you're just going through a rough patch in life, you got to grow up. Yeah. And not only physically, but, but mentally. You know, mentally is the hardest part. Everybody wants to get big in the weight room and do all this shit. Like, man, mentally, that, that's that's the test, bro. You know what I mean? That's, that's the beautiful thing was when you're able to, you know, start thinking differently and be in a different headspace and realize that you're getting better. You know what I mean? That's, that's the cool thing. Yeah. Well, let me, uh, we're, we're running up on time here, but I love that answer. I mean, that was, that was awesome. And, and I think that was probably one of the most profound things we've, we've even had on the podcast. And I'm glad it came out organically, but you know, the, the question I always like to end is if you could go back to 18 year old you, so you're about to go from, you're about to go from, uh, Southern Texas, close to close to Louisiana. You maybe got some Cajun food from time to time. You got some barbecue. You got all kinds oh, of stuff. Some boudin. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, like, yeah, like the fish and everything. Oh yeah. Yeah, you and, and you're about to go north to the great state of Iowa, where they grow. I don't know corn. What do they grow in Iowa? Something corn. Yeah, corn. corn. Is their big thing. I'm not, I ate a lot of corn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, corn. Well, isn't Iowa where like all offensive linemen come from? It's like white boys who got fed too many carbs growing up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's basically it. So you're about to go to Iowa, Iowa State, and you know, your wide eyed bushy tail, if you could go back in time to eighteen year old you, knowing all that you know, what would you what would you tell yourself? Man, I would tell myself, uh, be patient and also focus on yourself more as far as perfecting your craft and really becoming your best self. You know what I mean? And don't worry about, don't worry about everybody else. You know what I mean? Don't worry about any competition that's around 
you, don't worry about, you know, girls, don't worry about school, everything, all that stuff takes care of itself, you know, focus number one on school, getting the, the degree, and also, you know, as far as when it comes to sports, man, really put in time, put in time, even when you think you're doing some overtime, like, put in more, you know what I mean, like, really become good at what you're, what you're good at, okay, like, perfect that, make that elite, and then don't be, don't be afraid to work on what you're not good at. Yeah. You know what I mean? That way you can make it better. Cause I think people try to sometimes run away from what they're not good at and try to just stay at what they're good at. Yeah. And you know, at the, in the long run that, that hurts you, you know what I'm saying? That makes you, it makes it even worse. So yeah, that's what I would tell, uh, 18 year old Jay Black about to go into Iowa. <laughs> Man, you're you're also about to learn what cold means, probably. Yeah, now that that winter, and of course, I get there on the worst winter they've had like eighty years, bro. <laughs> it's, like, it's like it snowed until like May. You know? <laughs> This is this is not right. Like something is wrong, y'all. Like like climate control. Like what is going on, bro? Like like this is not right. And they were just so used to it. And I mean, I feel so many times. Snow is cool. Like snow looks cool on TV, and snow is cool like the first week, and then after that, like snow becomes like a nuisance. Like you should never have that much snow in, in one period of time. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just ridiculous. You know? No. So, yeah, man. <laughs> I li- I lived in Germany for seven years, so I I'm, I've had enough snow for the rest of my life. Like, and my my wife's a teacher, so she loves snow days because she gets a day off. And I'm over here like, no, that's bad for business. Like, I need you to go to school. Yeah. I, need, I need everything yeah, to be open. Bro. I need money. Uh, all right, yeah, well, man. Hey, Jay, it was a. I'm really get, glad we got to got to have this conversation. Is there um is there anything you want to plug from a social media or music standpoint? Anything you want folks to know about how to how to get in touch with you, follow you, etc. Yeah, man. Our uh, our Instagram for the music is minus two music. So M I N U S the number two. So minus two music. Uh, and then my personal Instagram is uh, J Black ninety eight at J Black ninety eight. Uh, J Black as in the color and uh, and ninety eight. So uh, yeah, I mean, besides that, that's me. If you need to, you know, everyone has a question or you know want to say what's up, hey, man. You know, I, I'm always open to saying what's up and saying hello and, you know, always helping when I can. And uh, if y'all ever out in L.A., you know, holler at me. If, if I'm in Dallas, you'll know. And uh, go download Minus Two on the streams on Spotify, Apple Music, and uh, also SoundCloud as well. Awesome. I'll make sure to put that in the show notes as well. And uh, I'll definitely uh, I'll definitely try to hit you up if I, if I come to Los Angeles anytime soon. I'm more likely to end up in Texas yes, than I am in California, but... Um, and, and, and for everybody else out there listening, you know, we try to bring you guys quality content every single week, which is a grind every single week. You know, we appreciate you guys so much for listening again. We've had our best month ever, every single month. And I can't, I can't stress this enough, but in the second month of this podcast, we did more than what I thought we were going to do in our first year from a download standpoint. So thank, uh, thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all the, everybody who slides in my DMs, everybody who writes me an email, everybody who hits me up on LinkedIn and Facebook and thanks me or has, or even, even the constructive criticism. It's always welcome. If you need to get a hold of us, or you got ideas or you want to uh, recommend somebody for us to interview, whatever it may be, millennialmanhoodcip at gmail.com or hit us up on any of the social media put in uh, in the description. But outside of that, again, Jay, I, I really appreciate you coming on today and everybody else will, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. 